Welcome to Out of Trouble, a pattern interrupting podcast. I'm Nicholas Harder, and this week's episode, the last episode of this second season of Out of Trouble, is called Stand Ups Part Two. Stand Ups is a journalism term in radio, it refers to when the journalist narrates what's going on around them, acts as the eyes, you know, because you can't see in radio. So this episode is going to feature some of my favorite reflections that I've gathered through the course of this project. It should be calm and peaceful. And I hope you enjoy it. It's Saturday. (laughs) No, it's not. It's Friday, June 26th. I'm standing in front of a gigantic field of sunflowers. They're all about four or five feet high. And their yellow discs are all pointed right at me. So nice, because the sun is shining bright on my back. It's beautiful and quiet and kind of the pre-hot hot of the morning. parked in a McDonald's parking lot in King City, driving down to Santa Barbara. Took a break to sip a beer, smoke a bowl. Here, check it out. There's, um, what is it, crickets? There's a cat out here with me by the river. Oh, it's looking at me now. It's sitting on the cement at a base of a streetlight. It it knows that I'm talking about it. Them, excuse me. I'm sorry. All right, we gotta get going. Get to Cassandra's. I guess another reason I pulled it out is because I kind of miss having it out all the time like I did on the East Coast. I'd like to do that more, and you know, I was doing random stand-ups like last summer, which I still haven't made an episode out of, but yeah, I, I want to um, do that more. You know, I bet if I slowed my pace speaking, I would sound better and people would be able to understand me better. I guess I do slow down when I say really important things. Oh, <laughs> 
All right, off we go. Sip a beer, smoke a bowl. Take a break. Sip a beer, smoke a bowl. Yeah, I remember choosing bowls, messing with the dirty hoes. The way she made the pussy pop. So, Lauren's wedding was yesterday. I'm driving back to Santa Barbara. Maps is navigating me through. I had some good conversations. I really bonded with Francisco a lot. Talking about being in the pandemic and, and um, picking our heads up, not wallowing. You know, there's a lot of pandemic talk. Yeah, we hung out at Lauren and David's apartment for hours, and then Lauren and David left pretty early to go honeymoon. I'm really hungover today, though, and, and like, feeling anxious and kind of strung out because of it. Um, had a great conversation with Han about... We were talking about death, I think. And then I was like, yeah, but even more than that, I mean, everything's going to be gone one day, you know? I mean, once I'm gone, who's going to, you know, there'll be people who knew me until they all die. And then I'll be just this one name. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll be interesting enough that somebody like me will say, ooh, who's that? Yeah. It's almost like a second death, though, right? Like, you die the first time when your body dies, and then there's kind of a second time you die when there's no one left around who... Who rem remembers you, yeah, unless you've done something that makes you memorable. Storytelling and the ultimate meaninglessness of life. And um, my favorite thing, which I love to tell people in this conversation, uh, I mean, everything's going to be gone one day, you know? A marble statue of Father Time holding a scythe is carved into the back of the monument. And I gave the example of the cherry blossom to say that... You know, a part of me wants to say, what's the point of... We're all going to be forgotten eventually, Yeah. right? So there's this crushing reality that time, you know, we saw Father Time, the statue yeah. earlier in the cemetery, is going to erase all of us. Yeah. Which on one hand, kind of makes it seem pointless, yeah. right? But then on the other hand, it makes it seem so precious. Yeah. Like, especially when someone passes and all we have left of them is pictures and words. It is so fleeting and temporary, yeah. and that somehow makes it all the more precious and beautiful. Yeah, and the whole thing about death is, they say, you know, you don't really die, like you said, so long as somebody remembers you. Even though it's gonna be gone, Like the cherry blossoms and I'm thinking of Dana which is making me a little sad because doing that story with her is totally what brought that what in my mind is an important epiphany to me um, that was from her
It's again that not being that not being forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. So you know you want somebody to remember you, and know that you existed. see what else there's something important that was on the tip of my tongue that Hong was telling me about oh yeah and this was what I got from Hong is I think that that knowledge of meaninglessness or the nothing mattering or the pain that comes from living a life that seems meaningless that that is so important to the experience of being alive it's like a core suffering you know and maybe it's a perspective switch to see the beauty instead of the meaninglessness Maybe, maybe that's how the suffering's transformed. I don't know. Or maybe the suffering is what makes life beautiful. I don't know. But that's what I got from Hong is, you know, a reminder that that questioning and that not knowing is kind of what it means to be alive. How it's crazy to have this knowledge, to be aware in that way. It's overwhelming, you know. I wish you could remember more. That was a great conversation. That would have been one to record. on the side of the sunflower field now somewhere in the middle and all along the side of the field there are set up these sets of three white big white boxes and at the top of each of these white wooden boxes is little slits with swarms of bees coming in and out like I'm looking at some kind of hundreds of bees swarming around these boxes at, at, at like 10 feet in front of me. I'm a little nervous to get any closer, but let's see if I can reach out my hand, you can hear them. Terrifying. Yeah, when I passed one of the sets, I had one of the bees follow me down the path and kind of like zoom and hit the top of my hat and he hit my shoulder and even hit my neck and he kept swarming me and hitting me just this one bee until I got about halfway to the next set of boxes the next beehives and he left me alone drones am I right <laughs> okay let's see if I can get a little closer
what's interesting. When you tell me things about my character, like, oh yeah, you know, I want to talk with you about this because you're kind of philosophical. And it makes me think like, oh, I guess I've like, Kind Sorry, of, how did you not know that? I mean, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> you, you forget these things about yourself, you know? And like, you, you, your artistic outlet is literally just conversating. Yeah. It might not seem like it, but this is actually an extremely humbling moment for me. Yeah. That, that, was, that was the OG philosophy is a whole bunch of guys sitting in a circle going. <laughs> what if man was a chicken? <laughs> Like, <laughs> Austin, how do we know each other? <sighs> My mother decided that his father was attractive, <coughs> and then we decided to live together for a while. Testing. Testing, testing. It's July 27th, 2020. I am in West Sacramento, California, on the uh, south end of town. I'm parked out front of my mom's old house right now. I lived here from third grade um, through my senior year of high school, and she moved out, I think, my freshman year of college house looks more or less the same. They tore out the grass out front and put some mulch down. There's a pretty tree with pink flowers that I don't think my mom planted. Um, but the side yard is still super overgrown like it was when we lived here. And I think what's making me the most nostalgic is seeing my bedroom window, which is on the second story, and it opens right out onto the roof. I smoked a lot of pot on that roof. I haven't been here in three years, four years, five years. I don't really know. But I was driving back from Austin's in Sacramento. If I can jog your memory at all, Austin, you are still zany and full of tangents. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker, right? And feeling nostalgic. And I kind of wanted to come here with someone. But this kind of felt like a good moment to do it. Let me get out. The neighborhood's grown up a little bit. I used to live on a dead end. You know, like right out front of our house was a wooden fence post that crossed the whole road and said, end on a big yellow sign. That was gone. They'd already started paving more roads before we moved. But now there's a whole neighborhood where there was once just like farm fields and stuff. They did leave a little patch of woods that's like sort of wild, but um, you know, it's surrounded by houses, so. But yeah, you know, for a lot of my time living here, there were all these houses under construction. They built some and the crash happened, you know, the Great Recession and a lot of them sat empty and they stopped constructing and 
and then just left it for years. But now they're all built and it looks like most of them even have people in them. And um, yeah, the neighborhood's grown up, you know. Yep. Feels good to be back. This, this has something to do with what I'm doing with this whole project, right? I, I get the sense that I'm figuring something out, like I'm putting together the pieces of my life into some sort of picture that makes sense, or at least trying to, you know? And, and the way I feel right now after seeing Austin and being here is <sighs> so calm. I think with all the podcasting work that I've done, I've been discovering myself through exploring other people. And this project is no different, except there might be a little bit more emphasis on myself. What are my stories? Who am I? <sighs> I'm unemployed with no plans of getting a job. No idea what kind of job I'll even be able to get. No idea what's up with unemployment. My long-term plans kind of destroyed. Now I'm doing this. Um, couldn't tell you if it's right or wrong, but... Feels calm. It's good to have you with me. That's something for another episode, huh? What having an audience changes about. I'm trying to figure myself out. How having an audience helps me do that. Maybe it just has to do with being seen. Maybe that's why I'm so thankful to you. It is <laughs> like very personally meaningful to me that you're here. And that I'm here. Well, when it was five. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Hope this helps you find some kind of peace. Come again and
tell me when you want 